Welcome Inside the Vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind Arjun Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and it is for serious entrepreneurs only. This is part two of our three-part series from Arjun's sales-focused webinar with Daniel's Head Insurance. In this segment, Arjun shares the exact agenda you should follow to make your sales calls more effective, more professional, and more profitable. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjun is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjun, I try to take it and be a sponge. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjun's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun, and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's, it's growth the whole way. A lot of effective sales conversations have structure. We're not going down this rabbit hole. We're not going down that rabbit hole. We're not get like in endless whatever loops that are open loops and nothing gets closed. And you get to the end of your hour long conversation or whatever it is. And there's nothing to like move forward off of because nothing actually had structure. So when it comes to a structured sales conversation, a cons- you know consultative sales conversation, what are some of the structures that or, or frameworks, if you will, whatever you want to, to, to define it as, that tend to work well when it comes to selling legal services? Right. So the first thing is to understand you have to be using a professional conversation, not a social conversation, right? There's social conversations, which are great for social situations. And then there are professional conversations that are inappropriate for most social situations. Yeah. And social conversations are ineffective in most professional situations. So you are a uh, avid bicyclist. Yes. Yeah. That's the word bicyclist or cyclist. Cyclist. Yeah. Okay. Um, You probably wouldn't just roll down to the local bike shop and pick up uh, a Huffy and take it home. You certainly wouldn't expect to win a race or compete effectively using a consumer grade bicycle. You need a professional grade bicycle to, to compete in a professional bicycle race. Yes. Correct. Um, uh, one of, one of my, a member of my team uh, gave a, a lesson on sales recently and she used an example of a hairdryer and she showed the hairdryer that she uses at home and then she used the hair, and then she showed the hairdresser, the hairdryer that a professional hairdresser uses, right? If you take the hairdresser, the hairdryer that you use at home, and you give it to a professional hairdresser, they're going to burn that thing out in a week or two, right? It's just a completely different. There's social conversations, and there are professional conversations. And the biggest mistake that people, the biggest technical mistake, if you will, the biggest mistake is coming at sales from the wrong mindset. The next biggest mistake is they they try to use people try to use social conversations in a professional setting. All right? A professional conversation is it's thoughtful, it's caring, it's considerate, but there's an agenda. There's a point to it all. 
call and it's more clinical, right? We're not just here shooting the breeze. How you doing? How's the weather? What's your favorite game? What do you like on sports? Oh, and by the way, maybe we'll get around to talking about the most important problem in your entire life. No, that's a social conversation. A professional conversation is, look, you came here because you have a problem and I respect you and I respect your time and I value your time and we're not going to waste your time making small talk. We're going to talk about what we need to do to help you figure out where you are now, help you figure out where you want to be, help you figure out where you want to not be, and then figure out if there might be some way for us to help you make a better future for yourself or not. That's what we're here to talk about. Let's set an agenda. Let's agree on the agenda and follow the agenda. So, And it actually makes the prospective new client much more comfortable when you present the, the, the conversation in a professional way like that. What's really uncomfortable for the prospective new client, and it's really uncomfortable for the lawyer or the salesperson, is when you try to take this social friendly conversation and somehow kind of maneuver it into a sales conversation. It just doesn't work. I mean, it works. It's just really weird and awkward and ineffective. Yeah. So structure up front, set the agenda, and not a personal conversation in a professional setting along those lines. All right. So you want to hear the structure. Here's the structure, right? One, step one, you you show up for the sales call, whether it's by phone, by Zoom, in person, whatever. And the first thing you do is you confirm the time. Thanks for coming in. We originally had this scheduled for an hour. Does an hour still work for you? Or 30 minutes or 20 minutes or 37, whatever the time is. We originally, you confirm the time. You got to confirm the time first. Why? Because what happens if your call was originally scheduled for an hour and now they show up and you say, hey, we originally had this call scheduled for an hour. Does an hour still work for you? And they say, you know what? It doesn't. It no longer works for me. Why not? Well, because my house burned down last night. Okay, well, you probably don't want to have a conversation about your estate plan when your house burned down yesterday. Let's change the agenda and talk about how to help you with the new problem du jour, which is your insurance policy. Is your family safe? Where are you staying? You know, are your animals safe? Do you have all your papers? You know, forget about your estate plan. We'll talk about your estate plan later. Let's talk about what we just discovered is your biggest problem because I took the time to confirm. I, I stopped and confirmed the time. Or Hey, when we schedule this appointment for an hour, uh, when we schedule this appointment, we schedule for an hour. Does that still work for you? Oh, no, it doesn't work for me anymore. Why not? Well, something came up and now I only have 20 minutes, but let's talk for 20 minutes. Hold on a second. This isn't a, I'm not going to try to cram a gallon into a court. Let's just reschedule. I understand things happen. Life comes up. Things change. We'll reschedule. I'm not desperate. I want to be of service to you, but I can't be of service to you if we don't have enough time to have a real meaningful conversation. We'll just reschedule. Anyway, you got to confirm the time. Uh, and then there's some other, call it mindset, technique, you know, technique kind of reasons you confirm the time. Why? Because that way you can pace yourself. They know that they're not locked in there for an hour and they're constantly looking out, you know, looking for the, if they know that the call is for an hour, they're not looking for the door. And, you know, you should start convert, you should start shifting the conversation into what are we going to do going forward around halfway through. So if the appointment is scheduled for an hour at about 30 minutes, you should probably start switching the conversation to, okay, based on all that, what are we going to do next? 
You want to do that at about 30 minutes. So you've got 30 minutes to resolve everything. If you wait to the last five minutes, then they're going to throw one objection your way and they're out the door and you have, and you're not going to make the sale. So if, the, if it's scheduled for an hour at 30 minutes, it's scheduled for half hour at 15 minutes, it's scheduled for 10 minutes at five minutes, but about halfway into the scheduled appointment is when you probably want to start thinking about shifting the conversation to making a plan for what comes next. I think and that then that, you, and then you propose the, and then you propose an agenda, confirm the time, then propose an agenda. And, uh, I'm sorry, I, confirm the time and then assure them that everything will be kept confidential. Yeah. Okay. And so at the, at the 30 minute mark where you're shifting from learning about them and the problems to starting to diagnose what the potential future, you know, uh, remediations may be or solutions or whatever it may be. Uh, right. I think that's a very you start, you start you start looking you start way you start looking at options. That's basically yeah. what you're doing. At about halfway mark, you're saying now let's look at some of the options and make a decision together. So I, I think that part tends to come naturally to a lot of attorneys because they just no, go into it doesn't. No, well, it doesn't. Interesting, because I, I would say <laughs> a lot of conversations had when it comes to just here's like here you had a problem. Let's explore what the solution looks like. Uh, comes easy. I think asking for the sale or the actual confirmation of the next step uh, would be the would be the bigger issue. So if it's if from what you see, it's an issue of the solution side of things. Where are people getting caught there? Well, first of all, what most attorneys default to is education mode. Let me tell you all about how the sausages get made. Let me tell you about the law. Let me tell you about the rules. Let me tell you about the regulations. Let me tell you uh, about all of this technical stuff that the client doesn't really need to know about and usually doesn't want to know about either, right? And then the lawyer isn't sharing options. Usually what lawyers are doing is they're trying to jam solutions down the client's throat, right? So I have now gotten an A plus on my law school exam, I spotted the issues, I identified the law, and I am now prescribing and telling you this is what we need to do about it. And the client is like, whoa, I'm a, I'm a person here, right? I'm not a case. I'm not an exam. I'm a human being who has feelings, who has a, who has a life that's being affected by this situation. I didn't come to, I didn't come to this law firm because I had a legal problem. I came to this law firm because I had a personal problem that was being caused by my legal problem or being exacerbated by my legal problem. And until you can understand what my personal problem is and show me my different options, I'm not buying anything from you. Most lawyers are, are not really taking enough time, investing enough time, demonstrating enough care and concern for their prospective client as a human being to understand how the problem is affecting the prospective new client in terms of the client's time, in terms of the client's money, in terms of the client's reputation. They, they make a lot of assumptions and they jump over a lot of this discussion and investigation because they're treating it like a law school exam of spot the issue, cite the law, tell them what to do about it. That's not a sale. No. So that's not a caring. That's not a caring thing to do to, to a person. 
So if we're shifting at the half hour mark to go into more of the question, like we basically established what we would refer to it as the gap. Uh, in the first half hour, the gap has been, you know, uh, discovered. They're here and they want to have this end result, whether that's getting rid of the legal issue, a personal issue, whatever it is. The gap has been created. And so once the gap has been uh, discovered, um, figuring out what solutions are to close that gap to get them to that end result. And so usually, you know, we would say it would be done by uh, conversation, just asking the question around what would it mean? What would it look like? You know, future pacing would be a way to describe some of it in a variety of aspects. So, well, that's if- all, that's all discovering the gap at about a half hour. You're saying, okay, based on what we've, based on what you've shared with me, Based on what you shared with me and based on my understanding of your situation, uh, let's talk about, would, would you like to talk about some options for how we might be able to make things better? What's the person going to say? No. Most people are going to say yes. Yeah. But yes, I would not. Okay. So let's talk about your options. And, 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 and I know this is counterintuitive and I know this is against conventional wisdom, but I don't think you're going to meet many people who have sold more professional services than me. And more importantly, I don't think you're going to meet anyone who's taught more lawyers how to sell more tens and probably into the hundreds of millions of dollars of professional services. And I'm telling you, every client has these two options that no one wants to talk about, right? One, you could do nothing. That is an option. You've got to acknowledge that option. You've got to demonstrate the respect for the prospective client to, to acknowledge they have the option of doing nothing. Is that an option you want to seriously consider here today? Now, if you've done a good job earlier of really understanding the problem and how the problem is affecting them and helping them think through how the problem is likely to affect them in the future, no, I don't want to do anything about this problem is not usually going to be what you hear. It's option one, though, but it is an option, right? Throw that one away. Uh, second option is you could probably figure out how to do this yourself. You seem like an intelligent person. I can share some books with you. I can share some resources with you. I can share some free resources, some free, some free reports with you. You could figure out how to do this yourself. Is that something you want to seriously consider today? Now, again, if you've done a good job of helping them think through how the problem is affecting them today in terms of their time and their money and their reputation, and you've done a good job of helping them think through and visualize where they want to be in the future and where they don't want to wind up in the future, most people are not going to say, yes, I want to seriously try to do this myself, right? Most people are are, are coming to law firms with complicated problems that call for complex solutions. and, and, And if you've done a good job of helping them think it all through, they're not going to say, yes, I want to do it myself. And you know what? If they say, you know what? I do want to do it myself. Okay, great. Here's the first video you should watch. Here's a book you should read. Here's a free report that I wrote that you should look at. Here's a checklist to follow. Here's a template you can use. And you know what? Let's make a plan for you're going to read all this stuff and have it all digested in two weeks. And then we'll check back and you can tell me what you're going to do with it. And then you can start doing the work and bring it back to me and I'll review it for you for free. And we'll see if you're on the right. I mean, are you understanding what I'm saying? It's not that simple. But you do have to acknowledge that the person does have the option of doing it themselves. Right. And then the third option is, do you want to 
uh, and, and then you offer a, a solution, right? Large, medium, small. You give them some options. There's usually more than one option. Help them think through the pros and the cons of all the different options. Uh, and then the final, the final uh, option is, do you want to shop around? Do you want to go talk to a bunch of other lawyers? And I like bringing that up because I like resolving it right then and there before we go on to the next part of the conversation, which is let's make a decision now. You don't say, if you don't deal with that head on, do you want to go shop around? They're going to bring that back up on you later. And it doesn't do them any good. And it certainly doesn't do you any good. And it also brings up, and you're sort of quashing future objections right there on the spot, or at least the opportunity for future objections, because like, ah, eh, uh, I may want to go shop around. There's a variety of just, you know, you're also probably shortening that sales cycle more than anything. I, I, I take a little issue with the term quashing objections because that makes it feel uh, adversarial. I'd no, rather not, say. Yeah, not, definitely not adversarial, but everyone, like. I should say most individuals will have objections or questions when it comes to uh, any particular service that they're signing up for, professional service, legal service, any of those things. Um, and I think that a good salesperson needs to be able to um, handle those objections in a way that best serves the individual. Now, some objections me, are completely let me, and Let me suggest a different term that I think would bring us into complete alignment here. Yeah. All right. And, and it'll help everyone watching this feel better about the whole process. If, if, if I promise you, everyone, if you're watching this, if you'll stop using the term objection and use the term concern, people have concerns, right? I want to buy this thing. I want to make my life better, but I have concerns. I have concerns about whether it's really going to work. I have concerns about whether I'm going to get my money's worth. I have concerns about whether you're going to do everything you say you're going to do, right? I have concerns and I want you to help me address my concerns so I feel comfortable as opposed to an objection. An objection is a sets up this kind of a relationship. But if you're really there helping a person from a place of care and concern and thoughtfulness and truly coming from a place of love, I want to know all of your concerns so I can help you make a more confident decision. Am I here to overcome your objections? You get my point? Yes. Um, well, this is exactly why lawyers hate selling. Lawyers hate selling because they're taught to overcome objections. And the whole conversation with the person who you're supposed to have this caring, thoughtful, considerate, intimate, trusting relationship with becomes confrontational because I'm going to object and I'm going to overcome your objection. No, 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 no. That's not what this relationship is. This is a relationship where I'm going to help you think through your situation because I care about you and I help you care about you and I I care about your future. And I'm going to help you think through all of your concerns. I I, I just it changes the whole nature of the relationship, not only on the sale, but later in the relationship with the client. It, it, It will ultimately trigger more cooperative clients, more collaborative clients, uh clients who will refer more business to you in the future, more loyal clients. Uh, I, I love it. I love the word, the, you know, changing concerns to objections. Um, it's a good, it's a good shift. Uh, what I was getting at is I'm sure we've all had those clients that have 
uh, become a time suck or not appreciated us or drag us along or any of those sort of, you know, things that they're just not the right fit. Um, and so part of the nature of, you know, that I was told early on in sales, like he who needs it least wins coming from a position of you're serving. I'm not begging you. I'm not, you know, I don't need this. I want to genuinely serve you. He who needs it least wins. I want to generally act of service. And I think that by framing even the simple thing up front by you have three options, really, it's you can do nothing. And that's a, a completely, a, you know, valid uh, frame to take, or you can do this and I'll give you everything that you need. I think that some of those people may just take a little while to, you know, make up their mind that they might actually be like, I can't do this on my own, but it probably also eliminates a certain amount of the riffraff of the bad or not right fit client that may try to drive the relationship to a certain degree. If it's not at least clearly identified uh, from the outset of that, you know, consultative sales conversation. Well, you know, now we're getting into a conversation that we had when we were talking about marketing, right? Great marketing protects us from bad prospective new clients, right? Because when you have a reliable marketing machine that automatically bringing you prospective new clients, 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 reliably, consistently, predictably, uh, when you bring, when when you when you meet that prospect who is uncooperative or unreasonable or they're or, or they're trying to disrespect your own boundaries, you know you could say respectfully, no, these are my boundaries, these are my rules, this is how I do business, and um, I'm not going to compromise my integrity, and I'm not going to compromise myself because I'm not desperate. And, and, and I don't think of it as a win-lose thing. I think of it as a, look, we're here in service. This is a service business, right? We, we've chosen a career in service. Um, and, and when you choose a career in service, you, you have to accept that that puts you in a position to serve the needs and to solve the problems and to make other people's lives better. That doesn't mean you have to take abuse. You chose a career of service. You didn't take a, you didn't choose a career of, of, uh, had another word in my mind that was going to be such a perfect little thing. You chose a cho- you chose a career of service. You didn't choose a career of of, of suffering abuse. And this I, is very important that you that you have good marketing to also protect your staff. Yeah, hundred percent. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for more lessons from the vault.